Hi, everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the art that they do. Today, I am glad to meet Angela Shank, who is a fellow member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators with me here today. Hi, Angela. Hello. Good morning, Nancy. How you doing? Great. Um, for the listeners out there, um, it's uh, earlier in the day, and I was so yeah. glad that Angela would speak with me. She is an author and an illustrator, and um, I thought that she was one of the nicest people I'd met at the conference. Oh. <laughs> um, she gave me tips, and she was willing to share, and I was like, oh, I have to ask her to be on my podcast, because I think she would have really good advice for the listeners. But before we get all into that, Angela, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, um, I am Southern born and raised. I was um, grew up in Macon, Georgia, oh, and cool. so throughout my life, you know, um, as a child, I was kind of I didn't do much art. I did the coloring books and um, some drawings here and there, but it wasn't too encouraged. I was mostly thinking more about writing as a young child. I remember my mom gave me a Disney book for writers. It's a little book with Goofy on it. It had this little writing exercises. So I just knew I was going to be on a farm somewhere selling eggs and writing. And so it, it, it took some twists and turns, but, you know, so I went through high school, of course, and then took myself down to Florida, University of Florida for college. And then um, after graduating, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. But this time the art had gone completely out the window. And I absorbed all those messages about how you can't make money, you can't make a living, you know, who cares? It isn't good, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I just didn't have the courage really to pursue it in college, even though I really liked it and was always at an art museum or reading art books and watching documentaries. So then I um, went to Georgetown Law to get my law degree. Still no art, definitely not then because I was always reading cases and things like that. So that was a lot. <laughs> and so I think after um, I had my first son, maybe around three or four years old, I started, you know, you know what? I'm gonna try this art thing. And I started with watercolors and um took some like little community yeah kind of little i guess community not community classes just kind of like adult ed classes one of those and then i met a really good friend of mine julie phillips she goes by jc phillips she's an author illustrator also and she taught me watercolor um and i learned a lot from her and so that's kind of where you know it's been for a bit awesome well i think I could you know you're when you were presenting and the um we met and for those listeners in the, the pitch panel with the agent mm -hmm. and I just could tell how passionate you were about what you were writing about I love that it was you know you were bringing yourself to it I think um I think it made your work also stand out because I was like oh that's an interesting topic I never yeah. heard anybody think to write <laughs> I you know I really hadn't so I thought that was really cool so what got you interested in attending that summer conference that we met at? Well, you know, I, like I said, I always kind of wanted to write as a kid. I just knew I was going to be a writer, but then, you know, life kind of gets turned. You get told to do something different and being somewhat obedient. I did <laughs> and wanting to, you know, not end up, I guess, as a, this horrible myth of a starving artist, um, didn't want to do that. 
So recently um, with my friend, Julie, I'd watched her go through her children's book journey and thought, you know, I have wanted to do this. And I kind of rediscovered, like I kind of forgotten about it for a while. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'd want to do that. You know, well, can I do it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try anyway. So, so um, that was a few years ago. So recently, as my children got a little bit older, I started doing a bit of research on, you know, like one book I read was how to write a children's book and get published. And just kind of asking my friend questions and following a few illustrators online. And one person was like, yeah, I belong to the SCBWI. I'm like, oh, what's this? So I went, of course, Googled it, looked fabulous. And so then I, this is last, actually last winter, you know, and uh, I thought, let's go ahead and join this. And I started going on Twitter and looking at other authors and illustrators and seeing they're all kind of, you know, congregating around SCBWI and 12 by 12. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe... <laughs> One of the things I tell you to do is try to have a grow your tribe in a sense. And so I guess it's where I have to start. And so it's been wonderful. So I, um, I actually uh, joined and been learning just heaps and the people, including you, of course, are just so warm and encouraging and insp inspiring also. And so it's kind of like a fuel in a sense. That, that, I feel the same way because I feel motivated. We are all on this mm -hmm. very long journey and I yeah. kind of, yeah, because it takes a long time. If you're submitting, you got to wait to hear back and then you're mm -hmm. revising and then you're also working on new projects beyond just that yeah. one um, story. You might have several different ideas that you're working on and then your own artwork. Um, so yeah, I feel like in the book illustration market, I felt more camaraderie with my fellow mm -hmm. illustrators because we kind of know it's not an instantaneous, well, there might be, <laughs> for some people there might be, but I think for the majority of people, it is that learning to improve and get better at your craft. And uh, yeah, everybody's so nice and encouraging. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree because you do hear about the, one hit wonders, but I, got, I was kind of watching my friend Julie go through her process. I didn't understand at first how it could be you could have a book and then not get another book, or you could be, you know, super talented and not quite get, you know, the illustration jobs immediately. I just, you know, I don't know why I didn't think, I thought it would just kind of be a thing you just did. If you're good, you automatically get your, your work published. And that's, it's just a process. It's a um, industry that is kind of, kind of old-fashioned way and it kind of has to be it feels like in a sense but um it just takes time it really takes time and patience and perseverance it seems but we have to keep pushing at it that's what I'm thinking I'm really learning about I think the from SCWI I was listening to an interview I can't remember her name of course right now but the author of Sarah Plain and Tall amazing author and she was telling us how she just had a book rejected I'm like what <laughs> what are you talking about how dare they you know <laughs> reject a book from you I mean an acclaimed award-winning author but I guess um sometimes the publishing companies I guess most of the time they have things they're trying to sell or trying to make sure it gets out to the right audience and sometimes it just it takes a minute and so that was a good lesson I'm like wow <laughs> I just could not believe it but then she kind of let it roll off and she's okay I'll try the next thing and she had a great attitude about it so awesome 
So is there any advice that beyond joining the SCWI, is there any advice you would have for new children's book authors and illustrators that are getting their career started? That kind of feels like me still. So <laughs> I will um, share what I tell myself and what I've heard others, you know, um, say. And one for, you know, whether author or illustrator or both read in the genre that you're interested in. So if you want to do kids books, you know, picture books, read picture books, like the, some of the newer ones and some classics, but really some of the newer ones within the last, like at least at the latest 10 years or so. And just to get an idea for how the words and how the structure of the books are and um, for illustrators, how the pages are set up, you know, as far as layouts and some of the things you can do, get some ideas or just see how other people have interpreted the author's words. Um, and just practice, you know, write, 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 and, and draw and paint, 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 whatever it is you do in your medium, you know, just keep working at it and experiment, work on your own ideas, have your side projects, you know, things that you're doing for yourself, not so much for a book or anything, just something you just want to do for relaxation. Um, let me think, I think, and also just join some um, organizations like SEBWI. I mean, that organization is amazing. They have this thing called the book on their website, which remember you can get access to, talks about agents, the publishing industry, you know, how to write a book, you know, just formatting of query letters and those kinds of things. And so it's, it's a great, great resource. Awesome. And the people there also are amazing. They, um, they have regional um, organizations too. So they have the Northeastern SCBWI. And they have like mingles, um, like for illustrators and for authors, for pre-published, which I love that word, pre-published and also published authors and illustrators. And so it's just kind of good to have a, um, a local kind of offshoot of that of that organization and attend conferences too yeah um, that's a, all great advice and I think um, that the I guess um, what I've learned you know that you're you and I are you know getting the kind of same yeah. things out of it like a lot of there is one of the things like you know you, you kind of mentioned you need to really look at things and read it because <laughs> like I was looking yeah. at pretty illustrations okay I was guilty of that. I would just look at the yeah. illustrations and then I was like have I been reading these oh my goodness no reading these books and then finally I sat down I was like reading them and even if I don't have time to read them what I'll do is I'll like pretend like I'm a little kid I know this is dorky but I'll pretend I'm a little no kid no and watch it on YouTube I'll watch somebody else yeah. reading it to me mm -hmm. and so oh, that's a I great idea I just immerse myself in that experience. Like if I was a little kid, like how would I be feeling about this? How do I like this? Am I entertained? Do I, am I getting a story? So yeah, great advice. It would seem obvious, Angela, you would think. But I would... It wasn't to me. I mean, actually I think I, I read it in one of the, uh, in one of the, one of my how to write children's book and get published, you know, books are like you must read. I'm like, no, I know how to write. You know, I know what to do why is I have I mean I have something to do as a mom and everything and I don't, I don't have time for this keep reading all these books what, what in the world and then then I'm like oh yeah I <laughs> should be reading but your idea about the YouTube read aloud that actually is brilliant I'm going to steal it because you, you can't always 
necessarily sit with the book, but to have someone else read it, I think also helps you understand the rhythm of the, of the words too. Like exactly. you can hear how someone, how it sounds out loud. And so you may feel like, I feel like a goofy ball person trying to read a book out loud. You know, maybe I read the cat or something, but I feel crazy. So I'm just like, I'm just out there floating about by myself. But I think having someone read to you on YouTube, I think that's a brilliant idea. I think I'm just going to have to start you doing that. Well, uh, feel free to take take away from it. And I, oh, I loved, uh, see, I like poetry, but poetry is a hard sell. And that's been something I've oh, learned. Yeah. It really is. And one of the things that um, after reading, uh, like I read a collection of Bill Martin Jr.'s, um, uh, his works, and then all these other um, author poets who work in the children's market, I was like, wow, mm -hmm. I I learned after reading and studying that it's it's more than just, it seems once again obvious, it's more than just rhyming things at the end, it's that beat. I didn't even know that there were different kinds of beats, and I attended this workshop, and I was like, oh, ooh, I need Me to learn either. more about this, and the rhythm, it, because it's very, um, like, music, music has that mm -hmm. certain rhythm and beat to it, and that's what the kids feed on, because, I, like, I didn't realize, because even though I taught um, for 11 years, and a lot of it was K through five, I did mm -hmm. a lot of those rhyming books in class, and the kids love them, pre-K, yeah. first grade, because they're learning to read, what I didn't realize is the reason they got into it so much is because of that rhythm. They knew because looking mm -hmm. at the illustrations, what's going to happen next. There's a consistent pattern to it. And so they immediately could recite it after one reading. And you know, mm -hmm. that's a good story because they're excited. They're, they're tapping up and down and they're dancing. And I love that thing. So I don't know why I keep trying for hard stuff, but I, I would like to do something that is, poem I don't know it's probably yeah. silly but I love that I, no I I think you could do it I really do um one thing yeah any advice is I, I well you know even yeah. just reading the poetry just for if, if even if you're just writing prose because they've uh -huh. been saying that some of the the um the faculty for some of the conferences say you know even if you read poetry and you're not writing it just it gets that lyricism into your I guess into your style sometimes into your brain a bit and it comes out in regular prose. Like you just start, not rhyming, but the words have a flow. And so I think as far as like trying to write poetry, besides just doing some research on the authors that do the do write poetry for children. Yeah. It's just, it's a, keep writing it. And if you have a critique group somewhere or someone that you trust that can actually, you know, tell you what they think about it, or if there's a kid somewhere that's not related to you, who's not, you know, not obligated to say, oh, it's great. You know, not many kids do that anyway, but. You know. I know, my son is my <laughs> critiquer. Oh my goodness. He's brutally honest. Like you talk about, oh, man. Like, he's more brutal than any college professor I have ever oh. had. He's, he's like really honest. He's like, mom, that kid looks weird what is wrong oh with no head I'm like <laughs> you know what kid you know I might have to go ahead of the will you know but he right? I mean if I really want an honest opinion I'll go to him mm -hmm. and then he kind of like yeah that's better you've gotten better oh gosh that's I love it throw me a bone kid <laughs> oh my gosh how old is he how old is he 15 he's a teenager okay. oh yeah oh yeah oh they're oh they're brutal so yeah <laughs> they have very little time they're just so busy I don't know about your dreams, but mine is very busy with this 
life and his uh, his uh, agenda or schedule, and um, mm -hmm. I'm taking up my time. I'm I'm yeah, busier than yeah. an art director or an editor. You need oh, to right. move along. You know, seriously, he's like, come on, spit it out, lady. <laughs> oh, I love it. I oh my goodness. Well, hey, you know, but I just um all I could think of is like, you know, just read the poetry, read the poetry that you like. Actually, so one thing I've been doing is reading um a book from Langston Hughes poetry for young people just one of the older books and I think I can't remember I don't think all this thing is rhyme but just how he um expresses himself and then also Nikki Giovanni I grew up as a kiddo my mom would give us these her poetry books and she'd also also play her poetry albums because she was a teacher at the time and so um she's got one book that i still have um spin a soft black song and that definitely doesn't have rhyming things in it at all but it does get at the feeling of kids and being a child in the most insane way so um i think um i could actually send you uh because i'm not sure if it's published anymore but I could actually send you some, you know, some shots of it or something, um, so you can see some of what I'm talking about. But it's really um, amazing how she gets to how you feel as a kid. Like one of the poems, I guess, of how she was the kid is, I guess, kind of um, going out home after school by themselves, and they she talks kind of being like a latchkey kid, I guess, going in the house, making some cereal, watching a story, I, I guess, a TV program, getting scared until a mother's comes comes home. But the way she wrote it, it was like, oh, 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 we kind of really get the feeling. So I think reading those poets, poets and trying yourself and just keep working at it. If they have a con, I think also, oh, I forgot. Quelly Journal, I think it's spelled K-W-E-L-I. They have um, they're they're like a they have a conference for people, um, authors of illustrators of color, and they have a big poetry. Um, I guess, kind of aspect to their work. And so at their conference, you may find some good um, mentors there. And I think the Quelly Journal online, they also sometimes will feature um, some poets. That's all I know, <laughs> I know about it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angela. No, I just appreciate all your advice. See, this is what I love. Like, you might not feel that you're that far ahead, but you're further ahead than me. <laughs> and so, no. right? yeah, you are. I feel like that. I really do. I feel like you are um, further ahead with the writing. You've been reading. You've been really studying and trying to build your craft. So I'm totally, for me, this is new. So that's mm -hmm. what I love about when you um, just kind of connect with other people who are doing things that yeah. you want to do. Because ultimately, whether they're just starting out or whether they're further ahead of you, I feel like if or you're, you're going to build off of, even if somebody um, that I might know a little bit more, but their enthusiasm is going to make mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to keep, I want to go do that. And, or yeah. you can get information like I'm getting from you. I think it's really um, insightful. And like, I will look up those um, authors and see if I can get, you know, the books at the library and check them out. I'll yeah, it might be. It's, yeah, it's just, it's such a symbiotic thing. I think, I think everybody has wisdom to give and share and energy to share. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. I'm wondering also, um, everybody says that, you know, of course songs are poetry. And one thing I've done sometimes I've been, is I've read the lyrics of 
the group Sweet Honey and the Rock. They're like an acapella group. And they kind of change members, but they, I've seen them in person a couple of times and they don't, their voices are instruments. They use a bass and their voice, which is amazing, these women. And listening to their lyrics, it, you're like, oh, because it's poetry, you can really feel that poetry. And they have um, a CD, I guess you can stream it, I guess download it now also, a children's CD, Songs for Kids by Sweet Honey and the Rock. And I think listening to that CD, maybe reading the lyrics also helps. Because again, they get into that uh, idea of a, of a child. I used to play it for my kids when they were younger. And one song is called Time. And one of the lyrics is like, time means nothing to me. I got to play with my blocks. I got to do this. I got this to do. What are you talking about? You got to go. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I remember being a kid and being all immersed in whatever you were doing. Your mom's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, come on, I got things to do. And one is about cleaning up your room and just how they express it. But if you listen to that, um, if you listen to that music, again, it's poetry. And again, it's, it could make a great book, you know, <laughs> like some of those ideas, those same ideas. And so I think you might really enjoy those. Thank you so much, Angela. That means a lot. I will definitely look into those. That's exciting. It gets me energized. And I like to listen to some music when I'm drawing. I, do you do mm -hmm. that? Do you ever listen to yeah. like, music? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh, I have all kinds of playlists. It's the same. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, but that week, I think their little kid's album, I can't remember the name of it. I can send it to you. Um, I have it downstairs somewhere. Um, I think you really will enjoy, given also kind of art that I've seen that you do and some of the subject matter, I think you'll really enjoy their album because it really gets you to that kid mindset. And um, it really, I think, is inspirational too. I mean, you might find yourself drawing some of the things they're talking about because it really is. <laughs> exactly. Um, because I'm always looking to do, you know, because um, a lot of this is like you're investing time into something that may may not work out like you would hope. Yeah. Um, and then some days I don't feel like writing and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to illustrate this thing that I wrote. It's not that great. But if somebody else has like a song, like that would be a great for a project for myself. Mm -hmm. Try and I can see you. That. I can really see you doing that with Sweet Honey and the Rock. I can just so see you coming up with something beautiful because um, their lyrics was just so poignant and they're just so relatable and your art is so glowing and gorgeous. I just, I, I can totally see it. So yeah. Please do it so I can see see what you come up with. <laughs> well, thank you, Angela. That means a lot. And so, like your your watercolors, I really really liked because um, you you did like you had these food illustrations, and I know mm -hmm. you're working on your children's illustrations as well. But the watercolors are really nice. You got some really vibrant colors because I have very little patience with the layering <laughs> of the color. Yeah. Like that's why I use watercolor acrylic inks because they just uh -huh. like bam, you're just like hit it once and that's like right. Hey, yeah. But like that's I, smart though. <laughs> no, but the thing is you get these nice glowy colors on your watercolor paper. So I can tell that's a medium you love. Um can you. you kind of tell us, I mean, is that kind of why you love it? Is that, or is there anything else about that process that you enjoy? Well, I, I think I like, in a sense, in a kind of a sick, twisted sense, the challenge of it, maybe, <laughs> you know, and also sometimes, you know, we all get this thing called flow, but it can be like meditation for me, just applying the layers, being slow, thinking through it like oh okay and then trying this thing and that thing and layering some more and then watching it come to life I guess 
it's like this bare paper and then it just slowly kind of sometimes sometimes fast builds up and like oh wow look at that you know and uh, it's comforting and like draw or paint comforting things it just doubles the feeling of comfort so I guess that's what's going on for me right there um but I also totally feel the pull of getting things down a little faster because you know we have lives and other things that kind of we can't paint all day unfortunately um so I start using colored pencils sometimes try to deepen some of the colors like layer it um and then I'm looking at something I just kind of seen but just tenderly thought about something called these ink ink tents pencils and I guess they're pencils that have ink in them have you heard of those I you know one of my fellow graduate students she recommended them but I was like I and she showed me how like I guess you can add water and it, and it turns into mm-hmm. kind of like soluble like mm-hmm. um pigment you know like paint and I was I don't know I she I she recommended it, but I'm still stuck because I invested like a ton in watercolor acrylic ink. Right. Like, I got like 20 <laughs> bottles of this stuff or more. I like maybe 30 yeah. bottles. So I was like, ah, eh, well, if it gives me like that, and I'm just like, yeah, I'll just stick with that. But I do like yeah. that you get more control because then mm-hmm. you're like, you could like just draw it in. Well, I'm so greedy, greedy when it comes to like um, art supplies that I will use both <laughs> because right. that's how I go. And so I'm trying to, I think later on today, I'm going to try something where you kind of, because they're so permanent, is I'd use the watercolor kind of first and then maybe try the ink tints on, on top of it. Because I think you can layer the ink, ink tints on one another, I think. I'm not sure, so I got to figure that out. But there may be a way to kind of do a mixed media thing, you know, um, just to see what happens. So I was like, okay, I have this little gift certificate. I'm going to go find some of these little pencils and see what happens. Um, because I am trying to loosen up a little bit for some things, not everything, because I'm just kind of a, more of a tighter renderer, but um, some things I do want to be a little more loose on, so I thought this might be a little helpful um, in trying that. We'll see, but again, I love art supplies, so there's game for trying it, <laughs> because, you know, all this stuff, like the gouache, all of it, um, there's some great uses for them finding, um, but watercolor is like my first love, and I think forever will be, really. It's just the thing I really like using the paintbrush and just watching things flow across the paper and do this weird magical things. And um, it just seems like magic to me. So it's always my favorite. I agree. Because uh, what I love about, because I like watercolors, don't get me wrong, but it was that, mm-hmm. that layering stuff that was killing me. I was like, I no, like enough already. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's why I switched to the watercolor acrylic inks. But um, mm-hmm. I love the the brighter colors and I love mm-hmm. that, the flowy like when you put a lot of water down and some people don't like that bleeding stuff but I've gone oh, yeah. to really enjoy that because it just creates right. those little happy accidents that you're just like mm-hmm. oh this is a beautiful like bloom to it and the way it bleeds and it just looks right. so um, kind of dreamy and just mm-hmm. it's so organic because you can't do it you couldn't do it again if you tried it it's always going to be different you know each time it feels like I, mean, I guess you can try to control something but, but I think it's so unpredictable in some ways you use that loose um, technique that you have those happy surprises like oh this is cool or it kind of pushes you to do something different or makes your mind go oh I could try this instead so I could always use some loosening up and relaxation or just kind of go with the flow kind of an influence there so it kind of makes me do that like okay that didn't quite go the way I thought it would but it's still great it's still okay still like it you know yeah so I, I think that's kind of cool that's awesome 
So are there um, any suggestions you would have for maintaining work-life balance with your art <laughs> and writing too? Because you're doing both. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um for me i guess i realize it's always kind of a work in progress because i always get so frustrated i have like four kiddos which they're lovely um but it's a lot and um so what i've tried to do in the past and sometimes it really helps is use the pomodoro method with the 20 minutes kind of on and off where you have a timer, you work for 20 minutes, take about maybe a three, five minute break, 20 minutes again. And then after an hour built up, you take maybe 20 minutes of a break, you know? And that's for me for, for writing okay. and even painting sometimes. So make sure I get that time in there because you know how the day can get away from you and things happen and people need things. The other thing is that I've started to embrace, which is so hard for me, is mornings. Like I, if I could, I would work all night and sleep in the daytime, like a true vampire, but having a family, you know, <laughs> you can't do that really. I mean, some people can, I don't know how they do, but, um, getting up before everybody else gets up and getting at least a little time to yourself, at least think and gather your thoughts and try a little bit of a doodle or something for 20 minutes. And then I've been, um, also chunking my time so i'll say have a schedule for the rest of the week saying okay on monday i'm gonna do this thing from from this time to this time i'm gonna work on this project okay then a break and then say from 11 to 12 i'm gonna work on this other project so i'm not just working on one thing the whole time um now if i get into kind of a flow with something i might keep keep going but this way because you have lots of lots of ideas you want to be able to okay this idea for me it works this way I can work on this idea for this time out of time, take a break, work on another idea, take a break if I need to. So that with my writing and with my painting, that way I kind of get that time in every single day, not every single day, but you know, most of the work day. And it feels organized and productive. And I try to have some goals, you know, like, so for this painting session, I want to work on portraits and work to make sure my eyes don't look wonky, you know, or, I want to work on this aspect of this food that's very shiny because it's shiny chocolate. How do I get that? So I have kind of a goal for each thing I'm doing. Because you know, you can be working and working, working. Like you said, you can work on a book, work on some paintings and they may not work out or you just, you know, you're just kind of floating and it's hard to have work that you do that is actual work, but you can't, it feels like you can't show much for it maybe in a sense, in a, in a way, because it always work out. Like you can, you're always learning, even though it didn't work out. You learned a whole lot by why it didn't work out. Um, but for someone who can be so goal or, or almost like um, oriented as I am, if you want to have a product at the end, it kind of helps to have, okay, this is my goal to learn about this. And that way it's still open-ended, but you still aren't, you still have something you show for it or you feel like you've done something instead of just kind of like wandering around in circles, which I feel like sometimes, you know. If that makes any sense. No, it totally makes sense. Okay. I am totally on board with you. I've been feeling that lately. I did my visions mm -hmm. for my thesis and I, yeah. I felt like I let, let myself down a little bit because there were things that didn't work. I mean, I mm -hmm. learned a lot from it, but I, I was like, you know, I got to let go of that end product. And what did I learn from that process? And when, mm -hmm. in the future, what can I do so I don't run into that same problem? And one of the biggest things, and you, you hit upon it is like, like sometimes you just got to slow down and you got to think yeah. about it. You know, <laughs> I feel like there's this 
feeling of rush because mm -hmm. it's good. It's good to have those deadlines. I agree. Like you need to have goals or deadlines so that you won't keep working on it forever because then mm -hmm. eventually you've got to put it out there mm -hmm. because in, otherwise you're just the only only voice or the only client or whatever customer yeah. looking at it and the end goal is you want to share it with lots of people right and uh so I've kind of had to like I don't know kind of make a piece that if it, it I really just need to slow down figure out my process and it's usually helps me out if I figure out and just take that time to think it might be overnight <laughs> I mean I have to literally yeah. and just sleep on it and then like oh okay that's yeah. why I'm doing this. And this is yeah. the end result that I want. Yeah, that's so wise. It's hard not to feel rushed because I think your society rushes us and make us very focused on end products. And what, what is your worth? Especially as an artist, well, what are you making? You know, I'm like, dude, you know, <laughs> how about I'm just making circles right now because I want it, you know? <laughs> but it's just, it's just like this thing we have to kind of prove ourselves, prove our worthiness when we're worthy just by you know, kind of being here and being a good person and trying to explore life in a sense, you know, you're not hurting anybody, that kind of thing. You're trying to encourage people to be kind to each other. And that's where I think for me, the worthiness comes from, but society tells us something different. So you're rushing because you feel like you have to, I guess, everybody moves so fast. You got kids got to be home at three or something like that. You got to pick them up or you got to have dinner and someone has a, a recital somewhere, you know, and so there's a lot of push and pull on people's needs. And so art, I think, and writing and drawing painting just takes a lot of thinking time and a lot of kind of kind of lazing around not lazing around but it's kind of flowing and stuff we don't have that time for and experimenting you know? like you hit upon experimenting. That experimentation that mm -hmm. that like you know i'm just doing this to see well mm -hmm. is it gonna work is it even like something i like I even doing? like it yeah. yeah yeah and i think a, a lot of it is making these choices like consistently doing it and saying I'm mm -hmm. narrowing it down to the choices that are personal to me this is the way right. I like to work and I was also attracted to your work because you know you're painting things by hand I mean and then don't get me wrong yeah. there are beautiful digital artists mm -hmm. but I know that it's like you know when you're laying down those colors you're really like there's yeah. no command z undo like Angela's taking time to like really experiment mm -hmm. in sandbox and try to figure out so that she gets the results that she wants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's for me. I just I have to have that connection. I, I, um, my daughter does digital. She does other other like I guess traditional, but digital also, which I'm like I can't even beginning fathom that, you know. But also for me, just being of my generation, I feel disconnected. That's just my personal thing, you know. And I have to feel that paper scratch, or I feel you know that resistance from the paper or look at the bumps of paper or something like that. I have that much more of that interaction for me. That's how my, my brain functions. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we all work in our ways and I'm glad it comes through. Thank you so much. You're so kind, you know, yeah. with your, um, your compliments. Um, such a journey because I, I was reading a book, I guess it was like the, the Habits of Artists. Yeah. It's a little small book. Have you read that book? I, it's just, um, no, I don't like, think I it's, um, gosh, it's like 21 artists, I don't know, but they kind of go through like Picasso and some composers and other artists and writers. And like, I think, I can't pronounce his name, Satie, S-A-T-I-E. He would actually go on these long meandering walks and he might compose for about an hour a day. I was like, wow, really? Because he was also a man that had no family, but, <laughs> but these people were taking naps 
they were like <laughs> walk all the time and I was like wait a minute <laughs> so I think naps we can get them in <laughs> we are good and the walks and the connection you know with others I spent a lot of time having lunch I was like what is really you know <laughs> surprising i couldn't believe it i was like i thought people were i guess we're gonna have to do laundry or do uh, no, uh administrative right? duties that yeah, uh, yeah the that. admin yeah the admin is practical. nowadays <laughs> I, I find that fascinating because i go like i don't think my um family had as many administrative like nowadays i do feel like i'm the administrative assistant mm-hmm. to my household for yeah. scheduling anything that needs to be done uh, bills need to yeah. be paid um, you know, who's going to make those customer service phone calls for 45 right. minutes to an hour. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody exactly. else is going to want to do that. So yeah, all of that stuff. I don't know. I feel like, like you said, maybe it's that push of society. We're just constantly speeding up everything. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, I heard a comedian talk about like, could Amazon make it now? <laughs> you know, could right. we have like, you know, we they're doing yeah. overnight, but now I want it now. As soon as it enters my brain, like give right. it to me now. Can we, you know, so I feel like I don't know, because of technology and everything, like there's not that uh, sometimes we're not given the opportunity to reflect mm. you know, that time to think about like the why. And the mm-hmm. why is so important, I think. Right. I really do. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think I remember being younger as a kid and I was just wandering from pillar to post, like, oh, outside, summertime especially, you know, there's a tree over here, there's a blade of grass. You just spend a lot of time really slow down and get, take things in more. Now we're really pushing and rushing and it's it's hard. Um, definitely a different way of life that you don't always have control over, you know, really, because the bills have to get paid. Got to email your kids' teacher. You can't ignore these things, you know. So it's got to get done. So I, I definitely, I feel you on that. Well, <laughs> I, it's nice to know there are other um, people who who are in a similar boat. So thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that. It really means a lot to me. And then the next thing is, if you could go in a time machine and go to your younger self, what would you tell yourself? about your art journey, some advice? Um, I would say do it anyway. Um, Despite fear, despite any messages saying you can't or you shouldn't, um, do it anyway. Try anyway, bet on on yourself and to just kind of sit with yourself and think, what is it? And try it and to be okay that it doesn't work out. Like experiment doesn't work the way you had in your head. You'll try again, try something different. And that's okay when things mess up. You know, you have to be perfect. Great advice. Such great advice. So um, I'm getting to my deep question about, because I feel that as authors, illustrators, creatives, Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. always want to leave our end product, what we made as our legacy for our existence. And I wanted to see if you would mind sharing with the audience and myself about what are some intangibles that you would leave behind instead of your artwork about, mm-hmm. about your life, what you got out of life? That has to be one of the most brilliant questions I've ever heard. Um, wow, Nancy. <laughs> oh, no. It's, I just feel like it's nice to, I, wow. one of the things I feel like I wanted to know people beyond their artwork or their mm-hmm. writing, because like, it is a big part of who that person is, mm-hmm. but I have that 
feeling I know that person as a real person because they are beyond just their writing and their art. Right. They are maybe a parent. And if they're not a parent to human beings, to maybe some fur babies or yeah. they have- um, They're important. <laughs> yes, you know, or they, they just, you know, they've done things in their life or they've learned mm -hmm. things that, you know, it's something intangible that you can't even taste or smell or whatever, but, you know, you mm -hmm. would leave those things behind. Well, I'm hoping, I hope this answers the question because here's what I'm thinking yeah. when I hear, hear that question is that one, I hope that I have a legacy of um, openness and study, like studying ourselves and most importantly, other people who aren't like ourselves, you know? This, that openness to be able to take that in without judgment, you know, and just sit with it and learn. I'm like, okay. Um, and let's see, the second one would be, to, I guess that's part of that, we did delve deeply, you know, try to spend some time on the surface things. And then I hope I leave legacy of like, here's what happens when you, whatever it is, whether it's making bread or trimming a lawn, whatever it is, that you delve deeply and have an appreciation um for that journey and i hope i hope i'm explaining this the right way what's the value of this is a person who delved deeply in things that she was interested in and tried to learn and i guess the other one would be um respect self-respect and respect of other beings creatures people things and the work that came before people that came before well, yeah. spoken, Angela. Thank and you. Where can people see your lovely artwork? Oh, well, thank and you. Your um, if you have some of that oh, available. Um, well, mostly uh, one of my new projects for what since it's fall now actually is to work on my blog to start that going. So that will be some, a writing place for me. But that's on my website. It's just angelapshake.squarespace.com. And that's where you'll see some um of my work and soon to come just writing, just kind of connecting with people. And then on Insta, it's just Angela Shank. And on Twitter, where I sometimes go to bop around to talk to other authors and illustrators, it's at art underscore Shank. So A-R-T underscore S-H-E-N-K. Thanks for asking. Oh, thank you for sharing all of your um just your experience and your um, passions and writing and illustrating. And uh, I wish you much success, Angela. You're a lovely person. I'm oh. so glad I connected with you. I, I just was like, wow, if I have a table at, you know, like if I went to a real in-person conference, who do I want to have sitting next to me? I would want Angela. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> she's such a bright, fresh, you know, oh my God. I feel like I could do anything sitting next to Angela. And because your personality, oh. <laughs> and of course you just your your watercolors are lovely, um, and I look forward to seeing your first book um, oh. out there. I do, and I'm sure you will get there because yeah, you oh. definitely your passion and your and your willingness to keep working at your craft. Oh, oh, you know, thank you. You are so inspiring. I have to say, um, this lifts me a lot. Just having this opportunity to speak with you and to learn from you and to hear your beautiful podcast, which I think 
putting that positivity and support and encouragement out in the world is just a gift. And thank you so much. And so I really hope that once all this panini is kind of down <laughs> and over, we can see each other in person. Yeah, that would be great. I just I hope you keep, keep me posted, Angela. And uh, I will. Great. Everybody, you know, keep, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I'll, I'll keep looking at your work because it is just so inspirational and beautiful. It is just, I love it. So thank you. And the cut paper, I'm just, I cannot get over it. So I have a little crush on you. Oh, thank you, Angela. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate all your advice. I will be uh, Googling a lot of the things that you've said in this um, interview. And everybody, and I'll, oh, I'll, I'll just DM some things. I'll send you a couple of shots of that, of that book. So you, okay. of the poetry book that I think you really might like. No, so many. Okay. Alrighty, everybody, for listening to my creative life. Bye. Thank you.